FM. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Another Monday upon us. The first Monday uh, of the month of October, by the way. And I think the trading just kind of is on a snoozer coming off of the weekend. And not a lot happening, but we're going to have some exciting topics to talk about today. Not only are we going to look at what's how quiet the trade was today, obviously, but the Chinese Resolutions team are still waiting as they're on holiday. How is that affecting the market? We, of course, have been talking with Harvest underway, but we have a listener question talking about cyber concerns. So we're going to look at that and some counterparty risk when you are marketing off these combines. Just a few of the things that we are going to talk about as Heather Ramsey is joining us today. She is with the ARC Group. And we've got to start out, it definitely has had that slow kind of feel for a Monday trade. Yeah, I will say this. You know, typically during harvest, um, we feel like we're just getting bombarded with news and information. And we did get some um, some news, some updates on harvest yields and things like that from over the weekend. Beans uh, yield-wise looking pretty good. Corn yield looking pretty ho-hum. Um, the market has been fairly quiet. The biggest mover and shaker has been funds doing some repositioning. Um, more so seeing them reposition into maybe some short bean positions, long corn, um, still probably long wheat for the most part. So pretty quiet, though. Funds really doing the, the, the bulk of the trading and positioning here today, um, putting beans down a little bit, corn pretty neutral. Uh, this is kind of weird. Uh, you know, normally Monday is our big movers and shakers after a weekend of harvest, and, and so kind of weird to see it be pretty quiet. I do think um, part of that is the other bigger headline, like you mentioned, Susan, that we're waiting on is is that China trade resolution team. Like, what do they come up with with China? Not um, not just phase one performance, but we're talking about phase two. Like, what are we going to do? Will we see a phase two? Will we have continued negotiations and a deal cut um, with China going forward beyond this year? Because phase one does end at the end of this year. Um, unfortunately. So uh, that is kind of on the back burner. It's a headline we know is coming, but we're probably not going to hear anything for a little while. Um, They have a holiday going on, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see um, what happens. You know, at this point, I mean, China really has kept up with their end of the deal, I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, that we haven't seen a lot of cancellations from them. So having said that, is the trade kind of hoping that we get some good news later on? Yeah, I do think that there is some hope that we will get something um, put together between China and the U.S., especially to start walking back tariffs. Um, Obviously, there's still some tariffs in place. And can we negotiate removal of those tariffs going forward is kind of the big question. I do think that they've done a, a pretty good job so far. Like you said, knock on wood, cross your fingers. But everything so far, they have been performing. They have been um, purchasing. What we're running into right now is that our actual export inspections or the shipping of the physical for the for the first part of this new crop season that we're in, we are a little bit behind. Some of that's been exaggerated by the hurricanes, obviously. Um, so we, we do need to see better performance from a shipping standpoint here in this last leg of things. But as far as the actual purchases have gone, um, they've been right on it. Um, they need a very small amount of purchases to hit that phase one and they will have that fulfilled. It wouldn't take very much for them to come in and fulfill that whole um, quantity. Uh, so, yeah, I think going forward, the 
the optimist in me thinks that we could get something together that continues to reduce tariffs in the ag sector specifically. Um, there's a lot of other industries that are going to get involved here and want a piece of this pie. But in the ag sector, if we could continue to see um, tariffs walk backwards, especially around soybean or soy meal or DEG, that would be um, really beneficial uh, to the U.S. ag uh, sector. And my understanding, too, is the, the barge movement down to the Gulf is starting to pick up. Nowhere near where it was uh, pre-Hurricane Ida, but it is right. starting to see more improvements every single day. Right. We do have, um, obviously, you get backlogged. And so working through that backlog is going to be a little bit of a challenge. But um, from what I'm seeing, there was pretty good um, export numbers um, I, I, last week, excuse me, last week through the Gulf there. Uh, we're definitely back at a pretty high capacity rate. There's still a couple of elevators, the um, export loaders that are not uh, shipping out at 100%. Um, those are key players, like they're big locations, but if we've got everyone else, we're going to be able to work through those backlogs eventually here. Um, the last like time frame I saw was that they thought maybe in another about two week window, they would pretty much be worked through that backlog. So hopefully that that is the case and everything is kind of just running smoothly at that point in time. So are we going to see, we've got a WASDE report that comes out next week. Are we going to see some possible changes to the numbers as you kind of hinted a little bit with, with the way soybeans are coming in? Um, there's potential for that. Uh, the October 12th report is not USDA's expectation for final harvest yields. That's for sure. It's just kind of their expectation of um, where the current crop is. And that's about well, generally they're using data that's a little bit old, but it should be fairly current. Um, so you could potentially see some changes in that corn yield. Um, I think that's probably uh, the one that the trade is looking for the most is seeing a reduction in corn yield. Um, if there is no change, we sort of get a reaction like we did last week on that stocks report, you know, with with the USDA reports and funds being like kind of who's driving the market right now, when you get a USDA report that doesn't say what the trade thinks it should say, uh, that generally turns out to be bearish, even though the reality of the number may not actually be bearish. It just didn't say what people thought it was going to say. And so that's what we run into um, on this October 12th report as well. If the trade is expecting a reduction in corn, yield, you know, um, and they don't get it, well, is that still bearish? We've got a lot more coming up as we continue. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Our Fontenelle Hybrids dealers can't say enough about the Fontenelle performance. Here's Don Blaschko of Blaschko Seeds between Ravana and Gibbon, Nebraska. We've always been happy with Fontenelle products. They've um, stand well, yield well. Since they're locally tested in Nebraska, they match our season and our climate and the soils better than um, other hybrids. For more on proven products in your area, go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directory. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue having our conversation with Heather Ramsey. Heather is with the ARC Group. And this came in, a listener question at the end of last week. It talked about cyber concerns. And we know that over the weekend, we saw another cyber concern with a major company that does the online ag auction uh, hosting sites. And so we know the issues there. And Heather, the question from him is, should I be concerned with everything that's going on cyber as I try to market my grain off the combine and beyond? I think the short answer is yes. I think in general, everyone in this day and age should be concerned with what information they are, A, either themselves sending across the World Wide Web, um, what they may be potentially um, giving to end users as their setup information and background information and how that's being stored. Not only how do they give it to those end users, you know, do you email it, do you text it, do you fill out a hard copy form, but also then how do they store it. Um, I think one of the greatest, uh, just like an easy example that I've walked through with clients here, um, you know, we talk a lot in forward grain marketing, we talk a lot about counterparty risk. Um, When ethanol uh, was in its infancy, that was a huge risk. Did you want to go market grain, um, you know, 12 to 18 months out with an ethanol company, um, the answer was eh, probably not because there was a high risk that, that they may or may not be in business or they may or may have gone through a buyout and things like that. So how do we protect you on that marketing risk, right? Well, one of these other counterparty risk items has definitely become this cybersecurity issue. When you have massive co-ops and elevator systems getting, you know, ransomed in the last couple weeks here, you start to wonder, wait, what kind of information do they get? You know, usually you hear about you know, credit card companies with breaches and and things like that. Well, in the ag world, we are a financial mechanism. You know, selling cash grain is a financial mechanism. Um, You know, pricing grain on the board of trade through your hedge account is a financial mechanism. Uh, So all of your personal information has to get sent to somebody at some point in time to set you up, to be able to pay you out, to be able to get you on the board of trade, things like that. So I think it's very important that you're aware of who it is you're doing business with and how they operate from a um, cybersecurity standpoint. Um, you know, if they're routinely asking you to send very sensitive personal information over email back and forth, like that doesn't make any sense. It's not real safe. Um, if there's ways for them to um, securely do that in an encrypted fashion back and forth, that's a different story. Um, but, you know, all of these end users, uh, you know, they have to hold their own employees accountable as well, um, you know, to how they uh, transfer information back and forth. It's just a really complex um, a part of our, our day-to-day that I think sometimes in the ag business we kind of take for granted that, hey, you know, this has always been done on a handshake and a thank you very much and a, everything's getting done accordingly. Well, the business has changed so much that we all know there's paperwork and, you know, copies of, you know, driver's license and social numbers that we're all exchanging um, to get things done. And so it is a, it is a big risk. Um, I think you have to be conscious of how and what information you're transacting. Um, and if you wonder, like, I think it's fair for the farmer to ask those questions to their elevators or end users or whoever and, and, and ask, like, how are you protecting my information? Um, you know, everyone should have some sort of policy in place on how they're doing that. So it's, that was a, it's a great question. It's, 
it's a huge risk when you realize there's there's people that have been hacked as of lately and we're going through harvest on, you know, sticky notes for scale tickets and, and things like that. So, well, like you said, really go, crazy. Like you said, Heather, gone are the days of that handshake, you know, with everything that yeah. it's been. So it's always good to be better to be safe than sorry and follow up maybe with the old fashioned phone call. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. So. For sure. Looking at, and we talked a little about this a little bit last week during our um, weekend market wrap-up program, but there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of concerns about um, army worms, what it's doing to and could have an effect on this winter wheat crop, but we're getting some decent weather. What are you hearing about uh, U.S. wheat supplies and things happening as we go into this winter wheat growing season? Yeah, it's definitely um, crucial that we have one of the best, you know, wheat crops we can have. I think our biggest concern here in our general area and then to the south of us into our group that's down in Kansas and Oklahoma is we'd, we'd love to have a tremendous wheat crop next year, right? These prices are great. They're giving us opportunities. Um, we're extremely limited on moisture right now as well. So you can plant all you want or seed all you want right now, but if we don't get some timely rains, um, germination is going to be hard and, and follow through is going to be a problem again. And so now you're right back in the situation of where we've been all of this summer with our, our corn and our soybean crop in a lot of places. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can check us out, out online at agrisconsulting.net or give us a call uh, 402-484-7474. Um, and talk to any one of us any day. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It has been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.